This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Ho, 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 and welcome to, welcome to, it looks like winter out there, but it's actually spring. Welcome to the Friday edition, the one-hour edition of Talk Back, brought to you by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery, authentic New York bagels and pastries, all the way from Little Italy, right here in Missoula, out on North Preserve at Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. Also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial. You've got a house or a business that needs cleaning. No job is too big or too small. They mean that, by the way. So give them a call and get a free estimate or just book your job right now. Get that cleaning done by calling 406-260-6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, here we are. It, uh, it's supposed to be spring, but it's looking like winter. That's Nick Christensen over there. He is not smiling. No, we are not happy this time. <laughs> <laughs> because, because he wants to go golfing. Yes. But anyway, uh, but I digress. We have a, a very important part of our program right now. Uh, is our friend Kirsten Pabst, our Missoula County attorney, is here with our crime report for Friday. So, Kirsten, good morning. Well, good morning, despite the white stuff outside. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, we had a really busy week. We charged 20 new, 21 new criminal complaints, which is about double what we charged last week. Um, we're reviewing a handful that occurred in the last 24, 48 hours as well, including a potential kidnapping charge um, that was allegedly drug-related. Um, in the cases that we charged, about half of them were crimes against persons, and about half of those were family member assault-type cases. In one, a defendant assaulted his ad- adult siblings, allegedly, and then went on the fight with law enforcement. Um, in the non-family category, one defendant, allegedly severely injured an elderly man who was a visitor in the hospital. Um, There was a road rage incident in which the defendant allegedly got out and hit the victim's tire and swung at him with a two-foot-long metal pipe. And then there was an attempted sexual intercourse without consent case that we charged um, in the endangerment column. We charged a hit-and-run case as well as endangering the welfare of children. The allegation there was that some young children were outside in sub-zero weather. Um, in the property crimes category, we charged four new cases. One was a theft of a bighorn sheep taxidermy mount from a commercial building, allegedly, and then um, charged three new drug cases involving fentanyl and meth. And finally, in the administrative crimes column, we charged three, a fugitive from justice, a failure to register, and then a truancy case in which a parent was charged because a young child was not in school. There are some, so, uh, there, there are some unusual things there that we don't really hear with the, the crime report on a weekly basis. So uh, it's interesting that you would, you would add those and let us know what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah, there's never a dull moment. <laughs> Kirsten, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. Anything else you'd like to add, by the way, before we let you go? I just want everyone to have a really safe weekend and remember that there are options out there. If you're drinking, that's fine, but don't drink and drive. Be safe and take care of each other. Perfect. Kirsten, as always, thank you so much. Uh, I know you, you kind of enjoy this weather a little bit. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag there, but uh, that, that's okay. Uh, the spring is coming, right, eventually. I'm trying. I'm <laughs> trying to keep a positive attitude. <laughs> All right. Kirsten Paps, thank you so much, and have a great weekend, ma'am. 
YouTube. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. Come right back. And we are going to, this is going to be a very interesting talkback show today because it's City Talk. We're going to be visiting with Emily Harris Shears, who's the Senior Housing Policy Specialist at the city. And we're going to talk about the 2022 Housing Displacement Study. And this is really eye-opening stuff. So we hope that you will uh, dive right in. The phone lines will be open at 721-1290. We're going to come back with uh, TalkBack uh, right after this quick timeout. All right, we are back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. My name's Peter Christian. That's Nick Christensen right over there waiting to uh, take your phone calls. And joining us here in the studio this morning, uh, we have Emily Harris-Shears, who is the Senior Housing Policy Specialist at the City of Missoula. And, whoop, there we go. Okay. And th- this, is, this is not your first rodeo. Welcome. Thank you. It's, Thanks for having me. It, it's good to have you. Of course, Ginny Miriam also joining us, the Communications Director for the City of Missoula. Good morning, Ginny. Good morning, Peter and All right. Nick. All right. So lots going on here. Um, uh, the thing that really made my ears you know, prick up here was the 2022 Housing Displacement Study. And that does, does not sound like a happy topic. <laughs> so I know. Sorry. We yeah. bring you these sad yeah. things sometimes. Yeah. Get that right. Okay. We, we want to hear you clearly. So, <laughs> okay, I moved the microphone closer to you, Emily. Thank you. So, so tell us a little bit about Emily Harris Shears mm-hmm. and how well, you got into what you're doing right now, if you don't sure. mind. Sure. Yeah. So, um, hello, everyone out there. Um, I'm Emily, and I work, as Peter said, for the city of Missoula. Um, I've been working in housing policy and um, related work with people who are experiencing being unhoused or people who are trying to get into the rental or purchase market for about 12 years. Um, And I joined the city of Missoula in 2020 to work on the Affordable Housing Trust Fund and work on the um, implementation of the city's adopted housing policy, A Place to Call Home. All right. So now the place to call home, we, there was just a, a, a very comprehensive report uh, to, before before the city council with, I know, Emily Armstrong, I believe, was 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 one of the ones who, who mm-hmm. helped with that. I listened to the entire thing. And uh, and one thing that was very interesting it was that uh, the 10 year plan to end homelessness. They said it was a national program that was adopted by many cities like like Missoula. They said, you know, the 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 the, the title ending housing or ending homelessness. Yeah, you know, we're, we're not really going to accomplish that in a realistic basis, but we're, we're, we're taking a, a good start at it. So uh, t- tell us your, your thoughts about that. Yeah, I would say that we're strengthening the systems that we have in place to as uh, <laughs> Okay. Um, Don't be shy. <laughs> I need to get closer to the microphone, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say that, you know, we and nationally providers and responders to housing need are getting um, better and more savvy about strengthening the systems that we have that respond to people that are in housing crisis. So now and previously, we have people coming into a housing system and they're in crisis and we don't necessarily have an immediate solution for them. The work that the Reaching Home team is doing, the work that we're doing in A Place to Call Home, which is really looking at the broader housing market, we're looking at how to strengthen our resources, leverage our tools, our money, um, our partnerships in order to build a stronger and faster response system so that people don't languish in a crisis experience before they receive housing again. We have a really positive problem here. 
okay? First of all, the positive is everybody wants to live here. I mean, everybody <laughs> wants to move to Missoula. We, we just have discovered that in the last couple of years since COVID, right? And unfortunately, little tiny space, not a whole lot of room here. Uh, and so it's difficult to find a house. It's difficult to find an apartment. And what is what is happening is the law of supply and demand is is flaring out in full force here. So could you explain what that means? Yes, absolutely. So... Um, you're absolutely right that we have a limited amount of space given the reality of our community. We right. live in a bowl of mountains and we're so lucky to be able to do that. Right. But it does. It limits our accessible land to expand. Um, and, you know, in the city of Missoula, we have a focus inward approach of really making sure that our neighborhoods are livable and accessible and uh, where people want to be so that we can reduce vehicle trips and all of those kinds of things. Um, part of what we're doing in the broader housing policy work uh, to strengthen that market is to invest strategically through things like the Affordable Housing Trust Fund, which allow us to put money into projects and say, this is a really important project for our community and we need dedicated housing that's going to be income restricted so that people who are having the hardest time getting into housing, whether that's for sale or rental housing, are able to do so um, in a way that, you know, meets their budget, meets their housing needs, and that we're really kind of emphasizing that regardless of economic status, everybody belongs here and everyone deserves to be home. All right. Now, uh, I, I know that w w one of the things that's listed in, in these excellent talking points, by the way, is um, the the 2022 housing displacement study. So if you wouldn't mind describing that, because when I hear the word displace, that means you're out of here. So, you know, uh, so if you could explain uh, the positive and the negative of that, of that uh, term, housing displacement study. Yeah, so um, I, I will tell everybody up front, I'm a policy wonk. Um, and Ginny always reminds we, me to we go love, down. We love, we love wonks. Wonks are good. Um, so, you know, I've heard some critique about the term housing displacement report. They're like, that's, it could be that sounds more negative. accessible, yes. right? With the, but the, the reality, housing, the housing welcoming story. <laughs> well, the reality but that's is not that what it is. It's not. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so the reality is that this was spurred from hearing from lots of residents in community spaces being called. Um, hearing from, you know, a neighbor's friend, a neighbor's neighbor um, about their concern about people being priced out of our, of our community, of people being, um, you know, having their housing um, termed at the end of their lease because the property owner planned to redevelop it or they were selling it or whatever. And because of our low vacancy rate at the time when we started this, it was about 1%, which a healthy vacancy rate in a market is about 5%. So we're well below a healthy market um, at this point. Um, now we're around like 2%. So we are moving up. We've doubled good. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's promising. Um, but, you know, what we were hearing was like, there's a lot of concern. People are really nervous about their housing. And there's a lot of anxiety in that. And... We have to do the really technical work of, you know, investing and working with developers and all of those pieces. And then we also have to do the really person-centered and community-based work of listening to our residents, listening to neighbors, understanding what's challenging them, harming them, and 
communicate that back to decision makers, back to the community so people feel heard and see their experience. And so that's really where the housing displacement work started. Um, can I keep going? Yes, yes, go right <laughs> ahead. Yeah, we, we, have, we have three minutes before our next break, okay, so it's, cool. all, it's all yours. So we started with um, two listening sessions. We thought, let's just invite the community. We'll do them on Zoom. They'll be accessible. We won't record them so that people will feel safer and right. all of those pieces. Right. And what we learned from that was that that was totally insufficient, that people had so much to say. People wanted to respond just one-on-one -on -one to me, which was fantastic. And then also we started to hear, you should go talk to people at the Pavarello Center. What's keeping them in the Pavarello Center? You should go talk to people at... Um, TSOS. The TSOS. You right. should go talk to people at the Re um, International Rescue Committee and understand what it's like for newly arrived residents and neighbors. You should go, and so soft that's landing. what I did. Soft landing's another one. Yeah. I reached out to Soft Landing. Um, and yeah, so we just sort of expanded, and this project that we thought would be a quarter long took a year because we found out that people had a lot to tell us, and we wanted to take the care that it deserved, really listen and synthesize those themes, and then pull them together and present them back to the community and to council. Now, boiling it down, what what is the, the number one comment you're hearing from the majority of people that you have spoken to and that are communicating with you? Um, the market is creating a lot of stress. And that looks like um, the cost of housing, the uncertainty of what their housing is going to cost when their lease needs to be renewed, it looks like um, being unsure about if they have a maintenance request, whether their landlord will decide, oh, I, you know, at the next term, we don't have to renew your lease because we had to pay more money into your apartment. And there are protections for people, but people don't always know those, right? And so that, I think, was um, the biggest, like, not revelation, I guess, sort of, was that we have some opportunity to spend focusing on the market, not from the supply side, but how people are interacting with it. We're, we are up against a break. And okay. when we come back, by the way, the phone lines are open. Uh, uh, Emily Harris Shears is joining us here, and she, she's the Senior Housing Policy Specialist uh, in Community Planning, Development, and Innovation. And uh, so she is here to answer your questions. I, I, I'm, I'm full of questions, as you know. I'm, yeah, anyway. But uh, we want to hear from you folks, uh, people who are renting, people who are trying to purchase, people who are just moving in or realize that maybe they just got a notice that uh, they, they can't make their rent. They're going to have to go find someplace else. Uh, the phone lines are open for you. That's why she's here is to talk with you at 721-1290. We're going to come right back. Uh, again, our guest is Emily Harris-Shears and, of course, Jenny Miriam also joining us. This is City Talk, and we'll be back right after this. Okay, we are back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. We're talking with Emily Harris-Shears, uh, Senior Housing Policy Specialist here at the City of Missoula, talking about the housing displacement study, talking about rents, and we have folks on the line right now. Uh, I believe this is Emmett up first. Emmett, good morning. You're on with Emily. Go ahead. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Well, this just highlights what I've been saying about homelessness. It isn't always, you know, just people that want to be homeless or people that are on the drugs or on the booze or don't have a job. You can have a full-time job and be sober and not be able to pay for the rent here in Missoula if it's $1,000 a month or more, just so expensive, and still be homeless and be at the Pavarello 
or somewhere else where you may have to live with roommates. And that's very hard to do. So you know, when I first moved here, my first rent in with a decent studio apartment with okay neighbors. They weren't bad. They weren't good. Uh, it was $165 all utilities paid for a nice efficiency studio that was on third. Lucky it was you. a nice place. Yeah, and now rents are often over $1,000 here just for a rental, just for a small one. And there's, you know, as, you know, oh, the really cheaper ones, they're over $500 and they're not safe. I'm grateful I live in a nice place that's really nice. It's one of the nicest in town for a rent I can afford. So, Emmett, what, 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 what's your question for Emily? Yeah, is there any way we can get rent for safe units, safe apartments, down to about $200, $300 a month like they used to be? That way people would not be unhoused. That's my question. All right, thanks for the call. Is that even possible? In Because one of the things you had mentioned during the break is all of this is not just the city deciding, oh, we're just going to charge more rent. This is all market-driven, mm -hmm. right? Okay, could you explain that? Yeah, sure. Thanks for your question, Amin. Thanks for sharing your experience. Um, so it's a kind of complicated answer in that um, the city doesn't have the power to do really anything um, that controls the private market. So we are not able to restrict rents or limit them. But what we do have opportunity and power to do is to invest in housing solutions that are income restricted, that are permanently or long lastingly affordable, depending on the type of unit, those kinds of things that have a use restriction. And those are places like the new Trinity and Villaggio apartments that have just opened that are, um, you know, income restricted for people who are making around 60 percent or below the area median income. Uh, which is, oh, I'm not going to be able to get it. I have it in my notes. Um, but, it's okay. you know, that is, um, that are the, those are the tools that we have to be able to um, help kind of safeguard housing for neighbors who need a um, particular price point. And that is work that we're doing. The hard thing is that it takes time to build those things. And we are also, you know, deploying as many strategies as we can through our investments. So um, we've um, supported a few acquisitions of properties. I think maybe you've read in the news recently that we supported the acquisition of the um, resident-owned community in Franklin to the Fort. So uh, mobile homeowners will have more um, protection and decision-making authority over their land. Um, we partnered with NeighborWorks Montana. Um, they're the lead on that, and we just provided funding. We also um, have worked with NeighborWorks and um, North Missoula Community Development Corporation to invest in um, acquisitions of existing apartment buildings that are being sold um, so that they can buy them and then work with the existing tenants to create a co-op model where the um, existing tenants will become owners in their own structure so there's a lot of ways that we can protect housing and protect price points, but we're not able to get into the relationship of directing private landlords or private property management companies on what their rents can be. Let's uh, get Jerry on the line. Whoop, Jerry, Jerry hung up. Oh, Jerry hung up. Okay. I'll uh, tell the story. Yeah, really but, yeah. yeah. So, Nick, Nick has an excellent story. Yeah, Ginny, uh, Ginny mentioned this during the break, but I know that you guys learned um, from that housing displacement study that... Uh, some people were telling you that rents increased 
30 to 50% annually. And I can tell you, my mom moved here in July 2020, and she moved into a two-bedroom apartment. Um, it's in a fourplex. She's got her own garage. They were charging 1050 at that time. Mm-hmm. She's now currently paying sixteen fifty for her rent, and was just told recently that uh, the current market value for where she's living is going to be increased to eighteen fifty. Not sure if that's what they're going to charge, but we're talking about a two bedroom apartment, not a home, for potentially eighteen hundred and fifty dollars a month. And then Jenny parked out. She's like, "That's my mortgage. That was a lot of people's mortgages mm-hmm. back then, you know." And so, and that's probably before utilities, right? Uh, no, that's everything okay. included, but okay. it's, right. you know, she's trying to get into a home herself. And, you know, when you talk about availability and housing costs and stuff like that, it's like these people like her are building up, hopefully is trying to save some money to get into a house. And then all of a sudden each year rent's going up, you know, 30, 50% for some people. And so I guess her biggest concern was who determines market value? Because that seems to be what landlords kind of hide behind, or at least that's where they can say like, hey, this is what we're going to charge because we can charge it. All right. So so that's an excellent question. We've set that up and Emily's going to answer when we come back from the break. So we're going to keep you in suspense, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And by the way, all of our phone lines are open. If, If this, I know this is affecting you. If you are renting in Missoula right now, this is affecting you. And if it hasn't yet, you must really have a lot of money. <laughs> Be lucky, yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to come right back with uh, more of Talk Back, a special edition of City Talk, right after this. Need to replace your Social Security card? In most states, you can request one online with a My Social Security account. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can also get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I am totally shocked uh, that the phone lines are empty right now. I, I am too. I, yeah, this, this, this is you know, blowing my mind. Anyway, so Nick uh, was sharing about his mom mm-hmm. uh, and about 1050 and now... 1850. 1850, in just a matter of a couple of years. Uh, so your your response to that, Emily? Yes, I answer this question a lot. <laughs> I bet. Um, you know, what do I want to say? Um, the market will demand what it can bear. And we saw in, you know, 2020, I think, was kind of the, like, push of both people moving here as well as um, just the limited supply really catching up to us. And so, um, you know, people who own property can charge more for it. Um, and in many cases there are. But I want to be really, like, mindful and say this is not an indictment of landlords. This right. is just how the, the market works, and this is a reality that we are – learning and grappling from what one of, one of the things that we've learned in doing shows like this when we hear from from you know landlords who are are maybe elderly or whatever mm-hmm. they've got a house they, they they built it or they you know had another house and so now they're now they're renting that is actually part of their retirement income mm-hmm. and so to ask mm-hmm. them to well be you're you're a private landowner you 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 know you, you're not a big corporation here you need to keep those prices low well guess what uh, the, the market works equally on everyone. Mm -hmm. It's true. And, you know, we've heard from people in this work, in the listening session work, 
we heard from people who um, said, I'm a landlord and I am not keeping pace with my tax increase for my residents. I am, you know, holding some of that cost back for myself and I'm eating some of that because I know my tenants won't be able to, like, take on the rent that I would need to increase it to or what have you. So I want to name, too, that there are lots of people out there who are using their sphere of influence to positively benefit our market as well. But, you know, that's the tricky thing about markets is that they sort of have a mind of their own. And um, we saw the demand rise and the supply didn't grow, you know, overnight. And so people were pricing it for what it was being demanded of, you You know. Let's get Jerry on the line. Jerry, thanks for holding, sir. You're on with Emily Harris Shears. Go ahead. Hi, Jerry. Hey, thank thank you for taking my call, and I'm sorry I got kicked off my line some way, and I'm calling back. But Peter, you you described what it's like to uh, own property and to try to make an income. I've lived in my house, and I paid it off to work and mortgages and everything else for a long time, over 60 years. And I've got one small rental that I invested in to try to supplement my retirement income. Everything on that house and that property has been going up from city count taxes, county taxes, school taxes, insurance, property, people, uh, the, the people you call to maintain the property, everything is going up. And I hear a lot of platitudes about how those people out there are so troubled they can't find anything. And it's all the rent, uh, the landlord's fault. Uh, I want to hear a little more information about how you study landlords' costs and how those costs keep rising. Could I hear some of that, please? That's a very good question, Jerry. Thanks for your call. Go ahead, Emily. Hi, Jerry. Um, You know, that's a really good question. It's not something we've spent a ton of time in, partly because living in a non-disclosure state, we have a hard time getting a hold of that data. Um, We do um, hear that from landlords when we talk to them and we, you know, collect quantitative or qualitative, excuse me, data, anecdotes and experiences. Um, so we know that that is happening, but we don't have a way really at this point to, um, measure it, like, um, what the, what the percentage of increases or anything like that. But we do know that especially for private landlords who maybe own one property, like you're describing that, um, I think there's sometimes a misperception that everyone's getting rich in this market, and that's just not always true. Um, and so I just want to like appreciate your perspective and thank you for reminding us of that. And I said, and maybe um, I'll just say it again, this is not an indictment of any one group or of landlords at all. It's really about understanding what's going on and thinking about the city's role in supporting some change. There's only so much you can do, mm-hmm. right? Because because you're not the market. <laughs> you're, right. you're influenced by the market just like everyone else. So let, let's get Chris on the line next. Chris, you've been waiting the longest. Good morning. You're on with Emily. Go ahead, please. Hi, thank you very much. Um, there's three things that I'd like to um, mention and point out, and there is a question in there. Um, first of all, with our... Porous border issue, 5 million people a year are coming into the country, and they need housing. And that is uh, a direct impact on supply and demand. And it surprises me 
that nobody connects those two dots or or is even talking about it. So I think that that um, is an issue. Whether they uh, help, you know, on the uh, labor or not, they, they need a place to live and 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 there's no control over it. And that definitely has a huge impact that I would like to hear somebody talk about. Now, I have a suggestion to help with the problem. And um, I think that um, uh, as as people pointed out, I don't remember who it was, uh, many people who have a housing uh, problem uh, aren't on drugs, do have a full-time job. They mm-hmm. just need an affordable place to live, okay? So if we can help those people uh, with, I think the suggestion might help. Um, I, I, I've lived in other places, and even here I'm trying to, um, um, you know, make a separate unit type of thing. If If people... Uh, homeowners could get some sort of an incentive to take someone in a border uh, or maybe a separate apartment uh, uh, renter. Um, if they could get some sort of tax incentive so that, you know, you, a border in, you know, there's a lot of empty nesters. Um, you have an extra bedroom. If they were getting something out of it and they felt safe that these people are screened or whatever, I think that that might alleviate some of the problem. And lastly, what I see um, in Missoula is there's not a huge tax base. That's a problem uh, for the government. I understand that. You, you don't have the sales tax, so you're not taxing you're not taxing uh, visitors and tourists coming in when they purchase things. You know, the taxes are always on the income or the property owner. So it's always the residents are paying. Could could the you know, could the local governments um, put money into some sort of um, more um, uh, business types of investments to make more jobs so people can afford a place to live? Interesting questions. And with that, we're up against a break. We'll come back. And she's been taking copious notes here. So we're going to answer those questions when we return. Uh, We still have Carl, Jr., and Andy. And uh, time is, we only have an hour. So this this is, we're really glad you're here. We're going to be right back after this quick timeout. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips that you plan in advance, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends for which you make a group chat three months before so that nobody or anything is missing. Or your daughter's first birthday party. You planned it with such dedication that instead of the first, it felt like our quince's. The same way you plan each detail for those moments. Start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Protecting your family is the best plan you can make. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Need to replace your Social Security card? In most states, you can request one online with a My Social Security account. 
a My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can also get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Taxpayer okay, we are back on Talk that. Back. 721-1290 is our number. Okay, <laughs> whole lot of questions there. Uh, so you took some notes. So if you could share your thoughts. Yes. Um, Emily Harris shares. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I love your idea. I think it's you are hitting something really important, which is um, if you have an opportunity to support someone in the market, by renting a room or you have a mother-in-law suite or you have a separate backyard cottage or something and you want to rent it to someone who, um, you know, can't pay you $1,500 a month but can pay you 700 or whatever, um, that's an awesome way to impact the community and the market. Are there code conditions, though, in order to be able to offer a rental within your home if, say, you don't have a separate bedroom for them or or a separate entrance or or i mean are obviously it's it's the details that get you uh-huh. right so yeah so if you're building something new like an accessory dwelling unit in your backyard you would go through all of the zoning and code work um but if you own your home and um or you are a long-time renter that has like the provision of adding someone to your lease um it's really not prohibitive um, my family, every summer, we host a paddlehead baseball player because we know the market is too tight for them to find housing. So we have someone live with us. We choose not to charge rent, but people can. Um, and we don't have to do anything extra to be able to do that. Excellent. Let's get another call in here real quick. Uh, this is Carl. Carl, good morning. You're on talk back with Emily. Go ahead, please. Yeah, Emily. How many... Um, apartments are 30, 40, 50 years old that are getting on the bandwagon of the new high-priced apartments and these old apartments have been depreciating. Do you feel though that is somewhat gulging a renter when these apartments are quite inefficient or not quite up to code of the new apartments where they're getting a high dollar value? And I'd like to make a comment on the previous caller. She made the comments that I am also thinking of also. Thank All right. You. Okay. So, 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 so let's say those, those row apartments uh, in, in the, you know, near downtown that, are, that have been there for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, uh, if, if they haven't been improved, uh, obviously, again, it's the market that dictates that. Right. It's not, well, you know, this is an old apartment, so we're not going to charge that much. Well, if, if 40 or 50 people want it, Guess what? Right? Yeah, potentially. Um, I would also say, like, I think prices are set by um, amenities and things like that. I work with, as a volunteer, I work with the Housing Advocate Network, which pairs neighbors with people who are looking for housing and to do that housing search. And I would say there's definitely a place to look that's at a lower price point. Um, And it typically is units that are older that are, um, you know, maybe less amenity rich, but safe and stable and good places for people to live that are not at those top dollars that maybe some of the newer markets 
newer apartments that are coming onto the market are charging. Okay, so so for somebody that just has, has a spare bedroom, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we had just talked about the whole coding issue. Uh, we can welcome someone into our home. And, 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 and that's basically something you work out between you and the person who wants to rent. In other that's words, right. the city won't come in and say, you need to charge so much or so little nope. or whatever. That's no, between no. the two of no, you. No, not at all. We won't be involved in that at all. Um, no, I think that happens a lot. I think that happens informally a lot. The thing I would just encourage is that if you're opening your home to a renter, that's fantastic. Um, and it might not feel formal, but it's important to put some kind of agreement of what you all are committing to in writing. Um, and there's lots of lease templates and things like that that people can follow to sort of figure out what they want to include. But it's important that the person renting the room understands what you expect and that you know what they expect from you as well. Perfect. Let's move on to JR. JR, good morning. You're on Talkback with Emily. Hi. Yeah, nobody's talked about this, but Burgle and Airbnb, there's hundreds of houses, condos, uh, apartments just in Missoula County and up around Whitefish. Just within a few miles of Whitefish, there's over a thousand Burgle and Airbnb, you know, places that have been taken off the market from the general public and now they're via uh, via rbo and airbnb and and that's drastically reduced the availability of housing and it's drastically increased the prices and it's a big impact and i don't know if anything can be done about it but well it's a very good question jr thanks for the call Go yeah ahead. thank you great question um so we have heard this for a while in the city and it's been a concern of residents, it's been concern of council and a concern of ours. So in 2021, we um, hired, a, we contracted with a data system so that we could start to get, you know, the um, short-term rental data for Missoula. We were hearing really high numbers, really low numbers, and we really needed to understand what is the scope of short-term rentals that are dedicated in our market. So we learned and we did a um, presentation to council and um, recommendations this summer. We learned that um, currently the number of um, short-term rentals is somewhere kind of, you know, it fluctuates, but somewhere around 500 units on the market at any time, which represents about one and a half percent of our housing stock. Um, in other communities, it's much higher and so they've taken, um, you know, policy action right away. We're in a space where we're doing a lot of administrative work to um, really understand the use practices of people who are using short-term rentals in the city. We, um, they also recently, council adopted a new fee schedule for short-term rentals that I believe will take effect in April. Um, and so we think that so it's going to be much more than it was. It is. Yes. So it has never increased since it was adopted in 2016. And so it's essentially been updated to reflect that increase. And then also the actual cost that it takes for staff in the city to um, inspect it, to process it, to do all of that, which is about $550. And again, that's the market at work. Right. Okay, we're going to come right back. We have a one-minute timeout. We have Andy still waiting to visit with you as the snow is swirling <laughs> out there. Happy March, everybody. Uh, anyway, we're going to come right back with uh, more talk back in one minute. Okay, we are back. We have exactly eight minutes uh, before we have to say goodbye to Emily, but let's get Andy on first. Andy, good morning. Thanks for holding. 
Uh, good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Emily. Uh, you touched on something in response to another caller about um, it being a non-disclosure state. And I think that's a real problem here in Montana. The only people that I see that benefit from that is not the people in Montana, but the real first. Um, we, we can't figure out what our neighbor, neighbors' homes have sold for. Um, so we, it requires the use of a, of a uh, realtor then. So I think that's really unfair. Maybe there's somebody that can tell me how that benefits the rest of us. But I think it only benefits the realtors, and I think it would be really good to get that changed. Interesting question. Yeah, yeah thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Um, I would suggest contacting the Department of Revenue. Um, they hold all of the kind of rules around the non-disclosure, and they could provide you with more information about the whys and the how and and who is benefiting from that as well. Sure. We have about six or seven minutes left. Uh, we, we have another caller. Uh, Roy's on the line. Roy, good morning. You're on Talkback. Thanks for holding. Yeah, you bet. Uh, good morning. I, I heard ta a lady talking about uh, renting out a room in that uh what we did when the kids were younger, it was a homeless man, and uh, and uh, he needed a place to stay. He happened to have a few horses and that, and we have a little bit of land. So what we did, we adopted him as our grandfather for the kids, and he was a very good influence on my children. He taught them about horses, about how to use firearms properly and everything like that. And he stayed with us until he decided he wanted to move in with a friend, and then uh, eventually moved into a rest home, but uh, it worked out beautifully. And uh, how about this idea? Just uh, we start adopting some of these homeless people as brothers and sisters, grandfathers and grandmothers, our cousins, and uh, bring them into our homes. Uh, that's, a, that's a good option, too, I think. So I'll leave it at that. You are a worthy soul, sir. Thanks for the call. So, yeah, not, not something everybody can do. No, it's not. But, yeah. Roy, thank you so much for sharing that. And thanks um, for bringing up a really good point, which is um, people, regardless of their housing experience, are community members. They're people. They have really full and interesting lives. And uh, when you see someone who's outside, um, it's great to say hello and to you know get to know people. And um, if that's in your level of comfort and all of that. Um, and you're right. Not everyone will have the ability to do that or the comfort or interest to do that. But what I think you're um, highlighting and what um, others are highlighting is that there are so many solutions that people are doing all the time that are taking care of our community, um, whether it's being a landlord who's not following the market. It's doing exactly what others are explaining. And so I would just say, you know, um, I'm not endorsing or not endorsing an idea either way, but I'm just saying like, um, you know, that's something for people to explore around what their influence can be in the community. Now, Emily, uh, in, in the time we have left, uh, one thing that we really haven't talked about yet, uh, the Section 8 voucher program where there's only a 59% utilization rate. Uh, so if you could explain that and maybe help us understand why maybe people just don't know about it or what? Yeah, I'm glad we get to talk about this. Um, so the Missoula Housing Authority receives housing choice or Section 8 vouchers from the federal government. And they administer this program that connects people who have low incomes um, with a housing voucher. And the structure of the housing voucher is that they pay 30% of their income toward their rent. 
and then the housing voucher pays for the rest. And it's a really important program in our community. What I think I've heard so many people highlight today is that um, there are so many ideas and new ideas and existing ideas, but the Housing Choice Voucher Program is an existing resource in our community that's being underutilized. And so if you are a landlord or you own property or you own a basement apartment and you're interested in helping people in this way, um, finding more, finding out more about the Section 8 or Housing Choice Voucher Program through the Missoula Housing Authority and how to be a partner would be a great way to support neighbors. Now, is that something that the rent, uh, the the uh, the landlord would be the one to look into that, or would it be the renter? Or how, in other words, how do we decide who's going to jump in and and take action on this? That's such a great question. It could be both. Um, I think right now there's a pool of of uh, owners who will take vouchers. There's property management companies and owners who will, and then there's many people who won't. So I would say if you're an owner and you have a curiosity about it. Maybe do some research or talk to someone you know who does take vouchers and kind of learn about the program and learn about the benefits of getting your rent paid <laughs> by the federal government. Um, and then also I would say um, when a tenant approaches you, have curiosity about that, learn with them, understand and maybe don't like turn them away right away without learning more about what might be expected of Okay, you. so let's get some real specifics here. If somebody wants to take advantage of that program and wants to learn more about it, where do they go? Who do they call? Oh, I would just start with the Missoula Housing Authority and they'll connect you. Okay. And so do you happen to know the number right off the top of your head? No, no okay. that's I don't, okay. but that's I can okay. find it. That's okay. All right. Uh, so we have exactly two minutes left. So how about some final, some wrap-up thoughts from... Emily, go ahead. Thanks. Um... So I just want to reflect that um, the city of Missoula is in a really unique space in the state of Montana that we have. Um, there are other cities, but we have dedicated staff who are focusing on the housing need in our community. We are um, simultaneously like wonky, like I said earlier, and really paying attention to the emotional and uh, experiential need in the community um, and we need everybody to be a part of the solution like we've been talking about for the last hour um, and that includes getting engaged with local government giving us your perspectives sharing feedback helping us create documents and um, you know we really appreciate that civic engagement from people we have the, we have the big three right here we have food Clothing, shelter, right? Mm -hmm. uh, food, clothing, yeah, you know, that's maybe a little bit easier. But when it comes to shelter, the, it, it is a market, as we've been talking about for this last hour, that is driving things right now. And sometimes it seems like we've lost the reins and, and, the, and the horses are on the gallop, right? And there's really not much we can do about it. But when we come to you and to, to these programs, there are ways to slow that horse down a little mm -hmm. bit and maybe get, get the bridle back in the mouth. Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest impactful ways we're going to slow that down is through investment in programs and projects that um, dedicate housing for people who need it urgently. Emily, we are out of time. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> really appreciate all your expertise and for sharing that. Thanks for taking all these calls. Yeah. Okay, Nick, what's coming up on Monday's fabulous program, sir? Uh, we're going to talk with forestry specialist Dr. Peter Kolb oh. for the full hour and a half. Maybe he can explain all this nasty <laughs> weather out there. Hmm. Anyway, thanks, Jenny. Good to see you. You bet. Thank and you. Thank you for all your calls. Get out there and be safe.